Today, there are a variety of treatment options for people with multiple sclerosis. Sometimes the choices can seem overwhelming, but it's important for patients to be treated at a facility where doctors know all the treatments and can help the patient choose the one that's right for them. We're going to talk about it today with Dr. Christopher Langston, an assistant professor of neurology at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx and the medical director of the Madeline Borelli Multiple Sclerosis Center at Montefiore Nyack Hospital. This is Health Track, the podcast from Montefiore Nyack Hospital. I'm Prakash Chandran. So first of all, Dr. Langston, it is great to have you here today. Let's just start with a basic question of what exactly is multiple sclerosis? Thank you for having me. Multiple sclerosis is a disease of the central nervous system where the immune system gets basically deranged. And instead of attacking foreign invaders like bacteria and viruses and funguses, instead attacks the parts of the brain and spinal cord. So how do those symptoms manifest in someone with MS? Do they, for example, lose the ability to use certain parts of their body? Maybe talk about some of the symptoms that someone might experience. Right. The multiple part of multiple sclerosis is multiple times and multiple places in the central nervous system. And because it can happen anywhere in the central nervous system, it can produce any symptoms in any part of the, the, affecting any kind of system. So it can affect your vision. It can affect your sense of smell, sense of taste. It can affect your sensation. So you can get numbness, tingling, burning, sort of strange feelings in different parts of your body. It can affect your ability to urinate, to pass bowel movements. It can affect your ability to walk, weakness. So many different kinds of your ability to coordinate movement. So various uh, systems within the central nervous system can be affected, and it's different for each patient. Got it. And what do we understand about what causes multiple sclerosis and who is at the highest risk of getting it? It's a disease that primarily affects women more than men at a rate of about three women for every man. And it's typically women in their younger years, so in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. When it does affect men, it typically affects them a little bit later in life. And it does affect children sometimes, but rarely. So we talked about some of the things that someone might experience if they have MS. You said that it doesn't really show up in children that often. So I'm assuming that later on in life, they start to experience a couple symptoms that are worrisome. Talk a little bit about how it's diagnosed. Well, usually people come to their doctor's attention because they come in complaining of some symptoms they're not sure what to make of. They have a numb arm or wake up with a numb leg. They can't see out of one eye. They're having unexplained urinary frequency. Whenever they've been running and towards the end of their run, they start dragging or tripping a leg, things like that. And then they'll go to their doctor. They oftentimes get various kinds of other workups, depending on whichever organ system is seems to primarily be involved. They'll go to their eye doctor, they'll go to the orthopedist, they'll go to the urologist, something like that. And in the course of that workup, they might discover that it's not related directly to the eye or the bladder or to the muscles and bones, but instead the nerves that subserve that system. And so then they end up getting referred to a neurologist, getting MRIs primarily, which is the main diagnostic biomarker that we use. And then also, we sometimes do some additional testing, including things like lumbar punctures to look at the cerebral spinal fluid to see if there's any signs of inflammation there, looking at the conduction of the nerves, sometimes of the eyes, things like that. Okay. So if someone comes to you and it has been determined that they have MS, what are the most common treatment options that are available to them? So one of the things about treating MS is that there are some subtypes, which we have learned about that help us guide management a little bit. And, and part of the next phase of 
MS treatment is going to be trying to find treatment options that are really tailored to the individual patient. We're sort of blessed right now in that we have something on the order of more than 20 different medicines for MS that are even approved plus many off-label treatments, and there are more coming out every year. One of the things that there's a lot of variety of criteria that go into helping a patient decide what treatment is best for them. One of them is efficacy. We want treatments that work really well. Another is safety. We want to minimize side effects. And the other is tolerability. These medicines come in different kinds of ways that impact different people's lifestyles. So some are pills, some are injections, some are infusions, and it really depends on how the patient lives their life and what's going to work best for them. And before we go further, I think something we should recognize or a question that I have is there is no cure for multiple sclerosis, is there? There is not a cure. The primary form of multiple sclerosis is relapsing remitting. And some people rarely go into remission and their disease never returns in any symptomatic way. But uh, and that's our goal with treatment is to put people into permanent remission. But but there isn't anything that we could really call a cure, though there is a question about what exactly is a cure with a, a chronic disease like MS. The most common treatments that people prefer these days are generally pills that you can take or infusions that you can get in, in a hospital setting just because they're the most convenient. But for some patients, because of their lifestyle or because of they're concerned about certain kinds of safety issues, they opt for self-injections, which they can take with them anywhere. Got it. So when we talk about the different treatment options, you know, you talked about the different treatment modalities that were available on a case-by-case basis, but maybe talk about some of the new ones that have come onto the market and what the benefits of using them might be. Sure. Well, there's a lot of second-generation drugs coming out right now, which have better safety profiles, but similar efficacy to older medicines. And so that's always a benefit. One of those that came out recently is a medicine called Vumerity, which is a sort of next generation version of an older medicine called Tecfidera. And this newer version has fewer GI side effects. So people tolerate it much better. The best thing is efficacy. I mean, some of our treatments now are much more efficacious than the older treatments. They often aren't compared head to head. So these have to be inferred by various kinds of observational studies. So the, the data is a little bit softer than what you find in the clinical studies that comes from FDA approval of a medicine. But in general, the, the newer medicines are much more efficacious and with every passing generation, more safe for patients. The more exciting things that are coming out are medicines that hopefully will help patients avoid some of the long-term side effects of MS. So often a common thing that happens with MS patients is they have an early relapsing remitting phase which then later in the illness becomes slowly progressive. So instead of having a new symptom that then gets better, they get slowly worse year by year in small little ways. There's a couple of mechanisms that could be accounting for that. One of them could be related to the immune system. And so we've had some new promise about some new drugs, hopefully will be approved later this year, uh, that have already been approved for other um, kinds of conditions, especially certain kinds of blood cancers. And these are called BTK inhibitors. And they hold out some promise for being able to give progressive patients who are not having relapses a new treatment option. We're awaiting, hopefully, FDA approval of those later this year in 2021. So just as we close here, I know a question that might be on a lot of people's minds is, are they able to live a normal full life with MS, especially with a lot of these new treatment options that we're talking about today? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's our goal is to make every patient be able to live a, a full life that is if they didn't have MS. And in fact, you know, sometimes we overshoot and patients almost start missing appointments and things because they feel like 
they're in full remission and things are going very well for them. The other part of it is not just maintaining health, but also being able to live full lives. Because what you find a lot of patients are concerned about is, can I have children? Is this going to impact the ability I have to work? to take care of my kids, to continue to do the things I love, to ski, to run, to get outside, to socialize with my friends. Those are the things that they really care about. And those are the things that we're really trying to do our best to protect patients from having any compromise of that, of their ability to live their lives. So in that sense, we've had really leaps forward in the last 20 years in our ability to treat MS. In terms of their general health, the other thing that MS patients really always need to have is a primary care physician. They always have an MS neurologist, which is important, but having a primary care physician who can help troubleshoot a lot of small things that come up, infections or other things, is also a really important thing. And keeping on top of your general health in addition to your neurological health is really important for all MS patients. Well, Dr. Langston, that is very good advice, and I think a perfect place to end. Thank you so much for your time today. That's Dr. Christopher Langston, an assistant professor of neurology at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx and the medical director of the Madeline Borelli Multiple Sclerosis Center at Montefiore Nyack Hospital. For more information about the services provided at the center, call 845-348-8880 or visit montefiorenyack.org slash multiple dash sclerosis. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. This has been Health Track, the podcast from Montefiore Nyack Hospital. Thanks so much, and we'll talk next time.